Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host. Welcome back. I'm assuming that um, my devoted listeners are tuning back in. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, today we have an exciting guest, and I'm I'm a little. The, the title of the show, as you probably have may have seen from the website, is flying from the seat of his wheelchair. An inspirational tale. I'll tell you about my guest in a minute. <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm, I, I was hoping you wouldn't be offended by that. My guest, Danny Quintana. Um, <laughs> I'm actually flying by the seat of my pants here right now, too, literally, because uh, I was rushing to be able to make the um, time of this broadcast, um, having been driven uh, by a car to the uh, um, a. Uh, television station, um, because after this I'm going to be on Catherine Cryer Live on Court TV, so all of you watch. Um, but it was quite a, we, we were flying, literally, down PCH. So let me just get my myself together here. And uh, today, you know, it's interesting, I'm sure you'll find this interesting, Danny, too, that um, lately, as I, I've been writing a book on terrorism, and I've been realizing how um, important it is, like never before, um, to devote our lives to something really positive and um, how time is a ticking <laughs> and how, and, and in the last several months, I think I've had more guests on who have been doing something inspirational with their lives than probably in, in the months, you know, years before on voiceamerica.com. And uh, so, um, you know, it's it's how your thoughts direct your actions unconsciously. Um, and I really hope that all of you listeners uh, appreciate this because I certainly have been learning something and felt uplifted uh, by listening to all of these guests who have made incredible contributions to the world. And I, I think it's so important that each of us take stock of our lives. I'm certainly doing that with my life. Um, and realize uh, how much time we waste doing things that are really not uh, of any consequence and how much we could be spending that time doing things that help other people and uh, help the world and leave something, um, you know, really uh, important, spend our time doing things that are really important and helpful and, and that that's what life is all about. And uh, so, so I was glad to have been driven by the universe to you, Danny Quintana. Well, I appreciate that. Now, you're writing a book on terrorism. That's interesting. Yes, it's uh, I'm interviewing you. Are you interviewing me? Because, uh, um, I represented one of the interrogators in the Abu Ghraib prison scandal, and uh, I ended up studying quite a bit about uh, that whole terrorism, because uh, he testified against the other interrogators, and they threatened to kill him. And then I formally repre- uh, previously represented some of Saddam's troops that tried to kill him. So, uh, oh, that's fascinating. Well, we'll have to talk about that sometime. Today, <laughs> that's great. Um, and that, that uh, is in Danny's role as an attorney. 
he does represent a lot of interesting clients, including, I, I didn't know anything about that, but um, I know that you do represent Native Americans. And Danny is also a writer. Um, he's written three books, and uh, he is a champion of causes, from everything from environmental design to um, redirecting the arms race to space and ocean exploration to many other things. And Danny is also a, um, a champion um, in tennis, playing wheelchair, oh, well, yes, like duh, <laughs> playing wheelchair tennis. Um, and he, more than that, more than his own, uh, you know, achievements in that regard, um, he has taught people in developing countries how to play wheelchair tennis. And he has also managed to bring them donations of wheelchairs. And I think that that's, I mean, we'll have to talk about that, too. Why don't we actually start with what put you in a wheelchair to begin with? You, It started when you were 21 years old. And um, why don't you tell us about that and how you've, how your life, what your life was like before and how that changed it, not just, you know, in practical ways, but, but in the way that you were thinking. Well, when I was a kid, I was uh, very athletic. I used to wrestle and box and uh, take karate and obviously play football, the rest. And I walked onto the wrestling team at the University of Utah, and uh, I contracted a very rare uh, neurological uh, problem called transverse myelitis that is similar to multiple sclerosis. So uh, two weeks later, I was in a wheelchair, and uh, I used crutches and braces to walk, but most, uh, the overwhelming majority of the time, I'm in my wheelchair. So... Uh, you're still going to get around. You're just going to get around in a wheelchair. Now, how? Um, what did the wrestling? I mean, was it an injury from wrestling that no. kind of triggered it? Or no, it could have been any sport. I just uh, neurological problems are just neurological problems, and uh, it's uh, extremely rare. There's uh, only two in one million with transverse myelitis. Uh, the more common uh, uh, in that family of diseases is MS. MS is very common. Right. It's like MS, but not de- uh, degenerative. Okay, so so it does word- damage and leaves, and uh, uh, leaves you partially paralyzed. So uh, my whole backside's paralyzed. And of course, that must have been, you know, an incredible, incredibly traumatic experience. How did what changed? Well, you go through the anger stage, and you go through uh, why me and all the rest, and then uh, you can either uh, continue to go in that mode the rest of your life, or what you can do is life isn't about the things you can't do. Life is about the things that you can. So I just continued on with my life doing the things I was doing before, because before I planned to go to law school, and uh, I always played tennis, and uh, I was always active in sports, and uh, I've always been a voracious reader, so... I just continued on with my life. The only difference was it was in a wheelchair. Well, now, 21, and it's interesting because this relates to um, one of the things we're going to be talking about today, your most uh, recent book, uh, Love Letters from the County Jail. I, 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 love, <laughs> I love the title. It's uh, a fun book. It's, it's tragic. It's got humor in it, but... Uh, uh, I just had a really, really uh, bad marriage. and uh, Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to go back a little bit, though. You know, at 21, that must have been really difficult to find yourself, um, you know, disabled and having to, in college and having to deal with 
I presume you were still dating at that time. No, my uh, first ex-wife and I were living together, and we had a son. And uh, oh, really, by twenty, okay. Uh, <laughs> you started. Uh, you were you were a fast um, fast liver <laughs> even uh, before this. So so, how old were you when you met the woman who then became your wife? Well, that was my first wife. Uh, Martha and I were together from the time I was uh, I was nineteen. She was seventeen, and we fought okay. it out for uh, fifteen years. I understand some people get less time for murder. <laughs> but uh, we did have some uh, some good times. It's just uh, when you're young, you're just young, and uh, relationships with people under the age of twenty, ninety eight percent of them are not going to make it. So we were That's just within true. that ninety eight percentile. Uh, so no harm, no foul. I mean, she's a nice lady, and uh, uh, we have a terrific son as a result, and uh, I have a great time with him. Uh huh. And I wouldn't have had my business without her because. Uh, she helped carry my law practice for the first five years, and uh, so I'm very grateful for the uh, the good memories. And uh, obviously, uh, there's always the bad memories, but the only thing that you have in life is time, and what we had was time together. Mm-hmm. And so, how many wives have there been since then? You said your first wife. Uh, only one more. I, <laughs> I think uh, when you know you're not good at an institution, uh, I think it's best that you just uh, accept what you're not good at and just leave it at that. Uh, okay. and, uh, my second uh, uh, wife was what prompted the book Love Letters from the County. Ah, okay. Let's talk about that then. Yeah, that book, uh, I was in a really abusive relationship, really, really abusive relationship, and I was wondering, I wonder if other people have gone through what I've just gone through. Because it's hard to divorce somebody that you love, just uh-huh. as it's hard uh, to have somebody that you love divorce you. Right. In either event, you're you're going to be hurt. And I think it's just as painful to leave someone that you love as it is for someone that you love to leave you. Mm. So uh, I went through that, and I started looking around, and I remembered all of the various clients I'd represented, because I did like 275 divorces back when I was uh, practicing law full-time, wow. doing divorces. I don't do them anymore. And I started thinking uh, about all my clients and about friends that I had that went through that. And that's where all the stories for the book came from. So I changed the names of all of the individuals to protect the guilty. And um, it was really quite a fun book. So wait, how how did your second wife inspire you to do this? How long were you married to her? Well, we were together for seven years, but we were only married for ten months. And, okay. And, uh, you know, she's uh, she drinks quite a bit, and uh, I thought that, the relationship would get better when she stopped drinking, and uh, basically it was just uh, an abusive dry drunk instead of an abusive mm-hmm. drunk. And do you think that that would, did you marry her soon after the first marriage ended? Oh, no. No, I, uh, I went through a series of uh, girlfriends like uh, uh, every man does, and uh, eventually I thought I had found the right partner, and uh, basically it was just a codependent relationship, which mm. a lot of people... A lot of you out there get into. You have to be really, really careful to not get into codependent relationships, and the only way you can do that is by being healthy yourself. You got to be healthy enough that you can be by yourself and be independent. Yeah. And uh, only well, by being I... independent can uh, you then attract another person that's independent. Right. And that's what I was thinking. I was wondering whether it was on the rebound. Well, I think there seems to be lots of rebound relationships <laughs> out there. <laughs> 
maybe not from the rebound from your first wife, but like the rebound from some of the relationships in between. Is that what you mean? I think that's pretty well it, yeah. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> that's a good start. Let's, uh, we'll make, in the next uh, part of the show, let's talk about how that relationship got you into writing this current book, Love Letters from the County Jail. We'll talk more about that. My guest, Danny Quintana, I've caught my breath. <laughs> You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, so stay tuned. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Day, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Information you need, when you need it. VoiceAmerica.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This week on the Dragon Page cover to cover, it's something different, like a whole new show. If you like us on the Dragon Page, we think you'll love us on our new show, Slice of Sci-Fi. It's all about television and movies and all the things that make you go geek when you watch them on the screen. The all-new Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo. That's the Dragon Page, every Saturday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, today we're talking with Danny Quintana, a man for all seasons and uh, someone who has been doing it all uh, from the flying from the seat of his wheelchair. And uh, we're just we're just starting to get uh, to hear some of the things that he's been doing, kind of the tip of the iceberg. And a man who has since age 21. Uh, been in a wheelchair and yet managed to accomplish uh, an amazing amount uh, to help the world. 
We're talking about his latest book, Love Letters from the County Jail, and um, how his second marriage inspired him to write that. So how did it? Well, what happens is when you're in a really, really bad relationship, you don't realize it until it just gets so bad that you start to look at it and then when you see that your life's literally in danger at that point. (laughs) One second here. I'm... I'm, um, I'm speaking to you all from the, uh, green room of, um, (laughs) of PAC TV because I'm going to be doing, uh, the Catherine Cryer live show at the end of this and the, television in the room just went on. <laughs> I think I got it off. Okay, so continue. <laughs> when, in case you wondered what that blast of noise was. Okay, <laughs> yes, you were starting to say, when you're in a relationship, you don't realize how bad it is until the end, yes? Well, you don't realize just how uh, how bad it is until after you've been away from it for a while. And then after you've been away from it, you look back and you think, my gosh, I survived that. Because... Uh, People that are really, really abusive are like predators out there in the jungle. And what they do is they can sense the vulnerability in people and they go after that vulnerability. So uh, they will mistake kindness for weakness. Yes. And uh, that's certainly what I've seen a lot of people do. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I I tend to have a generous heart and uh, that can obviously attract trouble. But I also know how to say no. And uh, the one thing that an abusive person can't stand is for someone to tell them no. Uh, but uh, no, I think, is the most important word in the human language because uh, uh, no empowers you. No gives you the, uh, the ability to turn direction and uh, uh, to take control of your own life. And uh, I think it's very important for people to say no politically, emotionally, or otherwise, so that that way you take charge of your own events. And... Uh, so my second book was inspired from uh, just the relationship that I was in. I, I just looked at it, and I, I couldn't believe what I was going through, that people could behave in this manner. Uh, the crassness, the rudeness, uh, the constant mental and emotional games. And that's what inspired me to write this book, because after I was out of it, uh, I looked back and I thought, wow, I wonder how many people have gone mm-hmm. through this. And then I started doing some research, and... Uh, Tens of thousands of people go through really, really traumatic, very terrible behaviors annually. I mean, what what really goes on behind the closed curtains and uh, uh, drawn shades uh, behind the, the doors of America? How do people really treat each other? Not their public facade, but how do they really treat each other? How do they really get along? And uh, what you find is people are pretty rotten to each other. Yes. Uh, yeah. which is unfortunate because it doesn't have to be that way. Well, you know, I, now these cases that you wrote about in your book were presumably cases that you were involved with from your the divorces that you did and other um, cases that you handled as an attorney? And cases I knew about, plus people that uh, I had met and talked with, like one Renee's Thanksgiving treat. It was this lady I met over in Hilton Head. I was talking to her and her boyfriend, and she was telling me about her experience with her ex-boyfriend, uh, where uh, he got a protective order against her after she slapped him, and I mean, this lady's like about five foot two, uh, maybe 110 pounds, 
And her ex-boyfriend was this really big guy, and he just got right in her face and started calling her a whore and all kinds of really choice adjectives. And she slaps him. So he takes that red mark on his face, goes over to the police, and files charges. Yes. You know, I mean, you were saying before about how badly people treat each other, especially couples, and behind the closed doors. And what's sad is that, that, well, you know, part of it has to do with the kinds of relationships, the kinds of families that they grew up in, how they, their mother or father treated them. But also it's because of how unhappy, uh, especially these days, how unhappy people are with themselves and dissatisfied with their own lives and how they take it out on the people who they're closest to. That's correct. Uh, I think that that's why it's so important for people to exercise. I think that if uh, people exercise, what they can do is instead of uh, hitting their mate, they can hit a tennis ball. Uh, instead of uh, slamming their dog, they can slam a basketball. You know, go out there, go for a walk, you know, turn off the television, enjoy nature, and uh, get the endorphins and the adrenaline rush in your life from using your body. Just exercise, because what that does is it relieves the tension and the frustration in your own lives. Because uh, life's frustrating. Uh, you'll want to raise at work, you don't get it, and so consequently you're frustrated and you're angry. And uh, anger, I believe, is caused by unmet expectations. We can either lower our expectations, or what we can do is we can rechannel that frustration towards positive endeavors. Yes. Yes. Now, talking about taking physical activity, I mean, there are so many things that you do that we could that are interesting that we could talk about. But let's um, talk for a minute about or more than a minute about um, the physical exercise that you do, the wheelchair tennis, and also. Skiing? Now, now, explain, before we go to the tennis, explain that to me. In a, in a wheelchair or what? Well, disabled skiing is quite common. Uh, the Paralympic Games uh, were very, very popular. Uh, basically, uh, all you have is a sit ski and then you have two outriggers and, uh, oh, I've... Uh, I see, like a, a specially um, designed... Yeah, they're of... just specially adapted skis. Basically, you have a seat on a ski and then two outriggers and... Uh, I ski over. I think that's what I need. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I ski pretty. I don't. I don't ski uh, flying down the hill like my friends, uh, uh, my disabled friends that are uh, world class skiers. I mean, those guys ski the double black diamonds through the trees Mm. and and all that. I I figure I already have enough broken parts. I don't need any (laughs) more. I mean, I ski for the view and the enjoyment and uh, you know the adrenaline of skiing. I I don't ski wild and crazy like my son and uh, his friends. Now, how how do people can people find out about um, uh, you know Are there special ski schools or special? Yeah, ski- Park City's got the National Ability Center, and uh, uh, Park City has uh, oh uh, one of the best uh, disabled ski programs on earth. There's in Winter mm-hmm. Park. Uh, there's all kinds of organizations out there. I mean, uh, if you want to play tennis, you go to the USTA, and uh, uh, there's uh, uh, for wheelchair tennis. Uh, there's plenty of players nationally. Um, you know, if you want to play basketball, there's uh, wheelchair basketball. Uh, I mean, I play wheelchair basketball, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, the reason there's not very many Mexicans in the NBA is uh, for a good reason. We suck at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I'm sure wheelchair tennis is not particularly easy either. Well, it's fun. Uh, the only difference between wheelchair tennis and uh, able-bodied tennis is you get two bounces. The first bounce has mm. to be in. 
But at the level I play, if you don't get it on the first bounce, it's not coming back. And uh, I can just tell you these uh, 22-year-old kids have no respect for 49-year-old men. Uh, they're younger, stronger, and faster, and, uh, boy, they can just pound that ball. And and what um, how how much time do you spend um, doing that and being in national and international tournaments? Uh, I play in about uh, eight to ten tournaments a year, so uh, I travel all over the nation. Then with the mobility project, I'll travel to other countries and teach tennis. So uh, in uh, December, late November, December of two thousand and four, uh, I was in Afghanistan with the mobility project, and I got to teach tennis at the stadium where the Taliban murdered all those people, and that was the wow. highlight of my entire sports career. That was that was better than winning the U.S. Open in uh, doubles. I mean, that, that was uh, spiritually the most uplifting uh, sporting event I ever did. It was incredible. Yes. You know, I really would like you to tell us more about that because... Um because that just seems uh, seems like an incredible experience. We're going to be coming up to a break soon. Um, I wonder if maybe we could take the break now, and then uh, um, yeah, I don't want you to start this, and then um, yeah, let's talk you know, about the mobility project and what we do uh, after your break. That yes. would be great, really great idea. I appreciate that. Okay, and there's the music on cue, so we'll do that. My guest today is Danny Quintana. We're talking about. A lot of different projects that he's involved with. Uh, his book, Love Letters from the County Jail, and uh, the Mobility Project, um, bringing wheelchairs to developing nations and teaching them how to play wheelchair tennis. So um, we'll uh, talk more about that when we come back from the break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and get ready to do some serious crust busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on voiceamerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific time for crust busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Danny Quintana, a man about town, doing it all, flying from the seat of his wheelchair. We're we're talking before the break about one of the things that he does from the seat of his wheelchair, and that is to travel to places like Afghanistan and Costa Rica and Mexico and Utah, uh, teaching people how to uh, play tennis from their wheelchairs and donating wheelchairs. And um, why don't you tell us about that? Well, I got involved with experience in uh, in Afghanistan that you were starting to talk about. Well, uh, I went to Afghanistan with the Mobility Project. Now, I think uh, all of you out there need to understand humanitarian work does not need to be boring. In fact, it can be a blast. Whether you're building houses in Honduras, like some of my friends do, or other parts of the third world, or uh, oh, delivering medicine to Sierra Leone, like uh, some of my friends do. Uh, there is nothing about uh, humanitarian work that needs to be uh, boring or drudgery. So when I got the opportunity to go to Afghanistan, I thought, well, all right, uh, I think this will be really, really different. So I went over there, and uh, uh, I was over there at the time that, uh, oh, uh, just as we had taken over um, and uh, you know started to stabilize things, and it was really interesting because I was there when the three UN workers were kidnapped, Mm. So I saw the helicopter gunships chasing the bad guys. So that was kind of exciting. Mm. But to teach tennis in the stadium where uh, the Taliban murdered all those people was, uh, without a doubt, the highlight of my entire sports career. Uh, that was really, really uh, a uh, tremendous experience. And uh, the Afghan people just have so much charm. And I'll tell you what, uh, those boys are athletic. Mm. They are just extremely competitive. Uh, so it's uh, uh, it was fun working with them, and uh, it was really fun helping to train them because uh, they want to play in international sports. Uh, Afghanistan, with 26 million people, 17% of their population uh, have uh, major disabilities. Really? Uh, because uh, they have uh, over 100 million landmines. Mm. So consequently, uh, the tremendous bloodbath that occurred as a result mm. of not only the Cold War but also the post-Cold War era uh, has really caused a lot of human suffering. But mm. they're a vibrant, dynamic people, and uh, uh, they were very grateful that uh, we had removed the Taliban and al-Qaeda from power. Uh, they, Al-Qaeda and the Taliban were worse than what was reported in the media. Uh, you cannot believe uh, how un- unspeakably evil uh, these human beings are. Uh, they, they have uh, abused the whole concept of religion and taken religious extremism uh, to a new frontier. 
but uh, uh, they have no respect for human life. They have absolutely no respect for women. Uh, they treat women as worse than property. And uh, uh, we should be very grateful for what our troops are doing in Afghanistan. But uh, we, the Mobility Project travels all over the world to secure countries, not to countries where uh, there's going to be uh, such a danger on the ground that we can't safely deliver wheelchairs. So uh, we won't do a mission to Iraq. Uh, there's several African countries that we won't go to because the situation on the ground is just not stable. In Afghanistan, it was stable enough that we could go there because uh, our troops have just done such a tremendous job. Our yes, troops. but you were just saying that when you were there, they had, there were three people who were kidnapped. Yeah, three. but that's going to happen all over the world all the time. And, uh, <laughs> that was just something. Well, that, were you frightened? Did you feel vulnerable? Mm, well, I don't. I don't uh, believe in fear. I think fear is an irrational, uh, just something that's irrational. I think that if any of you learn anything from me, just learn this. Look fear in the eye, and fear will always blink. Hmm. So never be afraid. And uh, it's strange to just to not be afraid. I'm not afraid of anything because there's not anything in this world that can really cause me more aggravation or harm than I've already experienced in my own life. So. Yes, you were saying before the break. Um, this is a man, you know. This is a man who has had to overcome a lot more than I even realized. Could you share that with the audience? How you, why, and how you had to grow up so quickly? Well, uh, I take it for granted, but I, I don't realize sometimes some of the things that I've gone through. My uh, biological mom died when I was two and a half, and my dad was killed by a drunk driver when I was ten. Uh, and, uh, you know, then I got in a wheelchair when I was 21. But uh, the only word I can use to describe my childhood is fast. Because <laughs> you grow up real, real fast under those circumstances. So my uh, uh, poor white uh, Mormon stepmother raised five kids by herself. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I was in jail in Ely, Nevada when I was 16 years old. Because I'm over there drinking beer with some friends, chasing girls. And this is, of course, when I was able-bodied. And I reach into the back of this Volkswagen. This police officer taps me on the shoulder. And he goes, can I help you there, young man? And I look at him and I go, oh, I think i got a handle on it. He goes, come with me, you little smartass. <laughs> so he takes me to jail and he goes, we got to call your mom. And I go, oh, no, we don't. <laughs> so he gets yeah. the number from me and uh, she answers the phone very calmly. And she goes, now, mind you, she's in Utah and I'm in Nevada. And, uh, and uh, you know, she answers the phone. Oh, he's in jail. Huh? Oh, well. I don't know anybody by that name, and hangs up. <laughs> I'll tell you, that was the last time I ever went to jail, except as an attorney. And I think if more parents uh, uh, out there demonstrate uh, tough love, uh, they're going to get better results out of their kids. Mm. And how long did you wind up spending in jail? Oh, I was there for the full day until my friends went over there with their tail between their legs and asked the sheriff to let me out. Huh. And uh, I learned a very big lesson from a... a uh, I learned if you get yourself in trouble, you're going to get yourself out because, uh, you know, your stepmom's got five kids to raise. And if I had to raise five kids by myself, boy, I'd have taken three with a gunny sack to the river and I'd have been one of the three. So, because, uh, uh, you know, I was a very energetic kid and uh, uh, I can't imagine the stuff that uh, teenagers put parents through. Uh, but having had my own experience with teenagers, I, I certainly can understand what a lot of parents go through out there. Um, Sometimes you just want to just choke kids because they just are just so difficult and they don't yes, understand. Yes, you don't. 
you know, they well, the reason why that. I'm why I'm um, you know kind of I mean we're we're actually the case that's now going on about the um, the murder that took place on Sam Donaldson's farm, which is what I'm going to be talking about in a little while. You know, this young man was was abused as a child, and what kind of uh, struck me so far in in researching this is how many people were aware that he was being abused and really didn't do anything to step in. So, so that's why I'm a little sensitive when you, I mean, I'm always sensitive when people start talking about being uh, physically, even spanking kids. So, <laughs> so, but you don't mean that you never really did that, right? Well, I was tough on uh, my son and I was tough on my two nephews because I had to raise my two nephews uh, and uh, my son because uh, my sister had a problem with alcohol. And in raising my three boys, I was always very, very tough, very, very demanding of them. <clears throat> but, uh, my gosh, uh, uh, you know, being a parent is never easy. Uh, but you can be a parent by example, and I think the biggest thing that you can do for your children more than anything else is give your kids your time. Don't give them money. Never give a child money. Uh, the only time you should ever give a child money is if they work for it, so that, that way they appreciate the value of work. Uh, I think the biggest mistake parents make is they give their uh, their kids things and they uh, give their kids money to make them just like yeah, go away. Right. Uh, you you can have a blast with your children. Jeez, you know. Uh, and I think of all of the fun I had with uh, John and Isaac and Jimmy, uh, you know, just uh, that was uh, the best thing that I, uh, the best opportunity I ever had in my whole life. Yeah. Um, but uh, was I tough on them? Oh, yeah. I didn't put up with any of their nonsense. Well, when I say tough, I'm talking about physical punishment. That, well, that there's really no excuse for that at any time. Well, let's see. When John stole the car one time, I got right in his face, and uh, I came that close to just beating the living hell out of him. Uh, with Jimmy... Uh, he wouldn't get a job, so I wouldn't allow anybody to bring any food into the house. I mean, nothing. And I'd come home, you know, from a nice steak dinner, and uh, he'd be there, uh, I'm hungry. He'd go, Tio, I'm hungry. And I'd go, well, Jimmy, see that door right there? And go, what? Now, look at those hands. There's a job out there that will feed you. And that's the only way I could force him to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, with some kids, uh, the only thing they understand is force. But the thing is, is how you use force. You should never, never hit a child because you're frustrated. Well, that's true, but but and maybe we shouldn't go down this road. Well, like if you <laughs> have a six-year-old really, kid, um, you spank them so they don't go out into the street because you don't well, want them hit by a car. See, I don't know. I think there's something. You you live in Utah, and that's where you is that where you grew up? Utah, New Mexico, all over. Well, yeah, New Mexico is where this case is, and and that's what some of the people said, that that's the way, you know, th- there seems to be a lot of corporal punishment out there. That's the mm. way a lot of kids are raised. Is that no, correct? No, each, each family's different. Uh, in the Hispanic culture, uh, kids uh, are generally taught to respect their elders, uh, to respect their parents and their grandparents, especially their grandparents. Uh, each one's different. I think... Uh, what you have when you have situations uh, where you have tragic deaths and all the rest is you have a lot of drug and alcohol use and you have a, a tremendous amount of dysfunction. And uh, uh, when you have dysfunction of that type, uh, of course uh, uh, kids are going to be mistreated. You should, 
uh, abuse is not uh, a word that's taken lightly. Uh, spanking a child to keep them from going out into the street is not child abuse. Well, uh, we're going to have a difference of opinion there. <laughs> and, well, and we'll agree to disagree. I mean, uh, each one's welcome to raise their children on their own. But uh, if you spend time with the child and the child knows that you're the general and the child's a soldier and they're not situations of equality, I see these parents that they want to be friends with their kids. I don't agree with that. You're well, I don't, I don't agree with that either. On the other hand, however, some of the things that you were saying before, you know, there are a lot of ways to, um, well, one thing that you said before about how parents uh, spank children out of frustration is totally true, that most of the time that is what goes on. And they shouldn't um, do that. Never and, do that. Right. And, you know, when when they're caught, and yes, sometimes if a child runs into the street and they're, the parent is caught in the heat of the moment and they might give them a spank, you know, as long as they recognize in the next moment that they shouldn't have done that, then that's another thing. But to not to use that as the normal kind of punishment. No, um, never. I mean, spanking should be the the absolute last resort when everything else has failed, and it should only be just a spanking, not... You don't leave bruises and beat the living hell out of a child. Well, that's not exactly what I was saying. I was saying that a parent could be excused if once in a blue moon because the child has run out, done something really excessive, like run out into the street, and uh, and in the parent's panic, they you know their first thing is to hit the child on his tush. That's one thing, but it's not something to ever be repeated. The parent should be appalled that he did that. Uh, but let's talk about okay. We'll, let's we'll talk about something else because I think so much of what you do um, in oh, and <laughs> helped out by the uh, by the break there because so much of what you do is so positive <laughs> that I don't think we should get hung up in uh, in these in this definition. I guess you're, the children that you've raised are beyond the spanking stage at this point anyway, so we don't have to talk about that. That's true. <laughs> All right. My guest today, Danny Quintana, a, uh, other than this little spanking episode that we'll, we won't really look at too closely, he's been an incredible humanitarian writing books and uh, being an attorney, helping causes and, and uh, uh, bringing wheelchairs to Afghanistan. How many people, how many of us would be brave enough to do that, uh, seeing, being there while other people are being kidnapped and, and uh, being there in a wheelchair yourself and teaching people there who are in wheelchairs how to play wheelchair tennis. I think that's quite courageous. So when we come back, we'll talk more with him. He'll uh, give you... Uh, a way to get in touch with him and and uh, and buy his books and and uh, give you the website address. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... 
Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is voiceamerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Danny Quintana, who has been flying from the seat of his wheelchair, doing flying literally all around the world, helping people including donating wheelchairs and teaching people how to play wheelchair tennis. Um, he's also written a number of books. His latest one is Love Letters from the County Jail. And why don't you talk to us about, give us an example of one of the, um, one of your favorite letters, one of your favorite stories from that book. Well, one of the ones I like is I got a letter from this one uh, um, client that was in prison uh, for helping to develop a methamphetamine lab. <clears throat> and as he writes me his letter from prison, he tells me how it wasn't his fault. His wife was cheating on him, and she's the one that was behind the whole methamphetamine uh, uh, production facility that he had. Uh, and I checked his story out. I went through the court file over in the federal court, and um, he was lucky he got uh, the time that he got because he could have ended up getting far more time uh, had they fully prosecuted the case in other directions. So what we have to do as individuals, we have to take individual responsibility for our own actions and not blame our failings on others. Uh, we're responsible for our own lives, and we're responsible for our own relationships. And if we figure, figure it this way. If you live to be 85, that's 31,025 days. Of those, you're going to sleep about 11,000. That gives you 20,000 days that you're going to be alive. And right now at age 49, that means I have 9,000 days left to live. (laughs) And I'm not going to waste one day on someone that's going to scream at me, 
someone that's going to call me all kinds of horrible names, someone's going to steal my checkbook, uh, someone that's going to try to set me up on child abuse charges. I'm not going to waste one moment of my time on someone that's not going to be a team player and that is not going to make a team effort. Uh, because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of single people out there, and they're single for some very, very good reasons. Because when you look at how people behave, uh, it's uh, it's pretty apparent on why uh, uh, they are in the situation that they are in. Uh, you'll notice that the people that are in the best physical shape are always working out. Uh, the people that have their finances together uh, are very conservative with money. And the people that have successful relationships treat each other with dignity and with respect. It's better to be alone than to be lonely or abused in a bad relationship. And I hope if, any, if you learn anything uh, from my book uh, or from me is that you learn that. Uh, my books are available at uh, barnesandnoble.com uh, or uh, Amazon, or you can get them directly from me uh, and if you want a signed copy at loveletterspromthecountyjail.com. And just send me an email and... Uh, I use the proceeds from my books to deliver wheelchairs uh, to poor people in the third world, and uh, mm-hmm. I also give a dollar from each book to uh, victims of domestic violence with YWCA. Mm-hmm. So uh, the money goes to a good cause, and uh, I would encourage all of you out there to uh, uh, help us out in uh, these uh, worthwhile efforts because uh, they are worthwhile. If we all work together in every aspect of life and take a holistic approach to life, then we'll do just fine. We'll do just fine as a society and individually. Um, you know, the, the mobility project that delivers these wheelchairs, is that something, do, does, do other people contribute to that besides you, or is that Oh, yeah, own? yeah, that's, uh, um, I mean, I'm just, basically, I'm just a hanger-on. All I do is I go and I teach tennis and hang out with the guys. Yeah, all you do is go to Afghanistan and risk your life. Uh, well, Costa Rica, uh, it's not really risking your life when you have, American special forces on the ground that are protecting everyone and the French Foreign Legion and the Germans and 28 other countries over there uh, bringing peace to a war-torn region. Well, uh, you're being a bit humble <laughs> here, I think. I think you should take credit where credit is due. You know, um, what you, you were saying also during the break what your schedule is like. Just uh, could you give people... Oh, I, I stay pretty busy. In the morning, uh, I monitor my investments because I'm a professional investor for a living. And then at noon, I'll have uh, lunch with a client or a friend. And then in the late afternoon, I go into my law office and practice law for a little while because I still practice part-time. And then uh, after work, I uh, either teach tennis or play tennis uh, or basketball on Tuesdays and Thursday nights because if you want to get the tennis, if you want to get athletes to play tennis, you've got to go where the athletes are. And then uh, in the late evening, I write books or uh, magazine articles or newspaper articles. You see, this is what I mean. This is what, I, what I'm hoping my listeners will um, be inspired by. You know, that, that's, and it's interesting when you, when you um, boil it down to the number of hours. I mean, I never really did that. It's kind of depressing because it shows how many, <laughs> there really aren't na- many hours left. As, you know, we think in terms of sort of infinity. We have, we have our whole lives to, uh, you know, to do, to do things that we've, we've been dreaming of doing for a long time. And when well, you, you really. You only get so many poker chips. <laughs> so you gotta be real careful in how you play them. And you only get so many days to live. 
So if you want to spend your days in front of your television watching other people live and be a spectator in the game of life, or do you want to be out there and be a participant? And you can be a participant in a whole host of areas. Uh, You can join a bowling league. You can uh, join an archery class. You can uh, join a poetry class. There's so many things out there that can gravitate you towards other people that are just wonderful people, or you can just uh, be uh, miserable and uh, try and drink your way out of your problems or uh, uh, smoke marijuana out of your uh, way out of your problems. Uh, people, I think, self-medicate because they're so unhappy with their lives, yeah. and they self-medicate either with legal or illegal drugs, uh, or uh, they do something to change the behaviors. Because remember, depression and uh, is a behavior, not just a chemical problem. So if you change your behaviors and get out there and you exercise and get your endorphins and your adrenaline that way, you'll do just fine. Yes, and one of the things, and of course, you know, that after having um, had a childhood and then early adulthood like you had, so many people would have gone the other way and, and just sat in their wheelchair and, and smoked pot or drank or, um, you know, felt sorry for themselves. And you're an example of the kinds of things that you can do. I mean, there are people who aren't in wheelchairs. As, as I uh, said, I mean, in the introduction, you, you've done more in 49 years than most people do in 10 lifetimes. And so it really doesn't have anything to do with um, one's physical, I shouldn't say it doesn't have anything to do, obviously it's harder to, <laughs> in practical ways, but I mean so much of it has to do with what we decide that we want to do, that we're going to do, that we care about to uh, to make our dreams fulfilled rather than, as you say, become couch potatoes and just watch other people do things on television. And, you know, it's it's the, the key is that um, the more, the more, it becomes a self-perpetuating problem because um, the more depressed you get or the more you sit back and watch other people do things, the harder it is to get out of your chair, even well, if it isn't a wheelchair. That, that's correct, and uh, uh, that's why I'd encourage all of you out there to get out there, eat right, exercise, and live life. Enjoy it. And, and buy my book, Love Letters <laughs> yes. from the County Jail. I was just going to say to give out your website again, lovelettersfromthecountyjail.com. And uh, does that... Is there a way for people to see uh, the other books that you wrote? I guess if they go to barnesandnoble.com, they can uh, click yeah. on your name. Uh, yeah, Danny uh, all they have to do is do a Google search on my name, Danny Quintana, and all my books will come up. Okay, that's Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-A. And, Danny, I, I, I thank you very much for being an inspiration. You know, yes, the way you just said that at the end about... <laughs> I mean, people don't make use of and appreciate the fact that they can go out there and exercise their bodies and, and keep it healthy and uh, be able to do things. How many people would be afraid to go to Afghanistan, for example, to um, to deliver wheelchairs and, and teach in a country where people were being kidnapped? You've been really humble about that, but I think it's quite something. Well, thank you. <laughs> so thank you very much for sharing. And thank you for having me on your show. It was a lovely show, and I really appreciate doing it. Well, you're welcome. I'll have to have you back because we've just been, uh, we've just had, it's, this has just been the tip of the iceberg. Danny is an attorney, a writer, a champion of many causes, um, and we'll have to have you back to talk about some of these things as well. So thank you very much. Danny Quintana, Love Letters from the County Jail dot com. And, uh, I hope you all will tune in at uh, approximately 2.30 Pacific Standard Time in approximately a half an hour from now 
to watch me on Catherine Cryer Live. We're going on Court TV. We're going to be talking about the uh, case of the boy who um, uh, killed his family in New Mexico. It's uh, the case of New Mexico versus Cody Posey and uh, his defense of um, having been abused throughout his life. And it's been quite something quite awful, quite quite a lot of awful abuse, quite a sad story. So I'll see you next week on Dr. Carol's Couch, which you've been listening to, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Liebman, and you've been listening to this show on voiceamerica.com. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 